these people in suits are literally like doing their own form of drag almost it's a performance that they might not realize they're doing but for me sat there just like looking at them i'm like this is definitely not you like who are you you are listening to made of human also known as the mopad a podcast hosted by sophie hagen who is a danish comedian trying to find out how to do life but it turns out nobody knows Jamie Windus. You probably know Jamie from Instagram, but maybe you don't know them as Jamie Windus. Maybe you know them as Leopard Print Elephant, which is their Instagram handle. If you don't know Jamie, go and check out their Instagram immediately. And just see this stout... <laughs> I was going to say a mixture of astounding and stunning person and I, I don't know what I said stunning stu- I try to say stunning this stunning person oh no that probably means something doesn't it hold on I need to look that up I can't what if stunning is like a horrible horrible slur stunning I'm gonna look it up oh there's stunting but that's not what I oh no <laughs> okay um so apparently stunning means this is an urban dictionary a sexual position where you stand up and open your mouth and your partner proceeds to ah shit inside your mouth all right well that's not what i meant to say about jamie windust <laughs> uh, i mean i'm not king shaming or anything but it would be a wrong assumption to make about jamie because i just don't know if if uh if jamie is into stunning so what i will say is that jamie is stunning and astounding and wonderful what a beginning to a podcast am i right uh jamie is just the most wonderful person and i cannot wait for you to listen to our conversation first i quickly want to remind you that i'm going on a uk tour with my stand-up and book tour bubble wrap happy fat in april may june i am doing two big shows in copenhagen and aarhus in denmark with my new show the bum swing the bum swing will then be taken to edinburgh I'll be doing previews all over the UK and I'll, I'll I will then do a tour of that as well. It'll be it's my new thing. You'll like it. You'll love it. You can also buy the filmed versions of my two previous shows, Shimmer Shatter and Dead Baby Frog, to download for five pounds each. All of this is on my website, sophiehagen.com. You can pre-order my book, Happy Fat. It is a book about why it's okay to be fat. It has a chapter on how to love your body, which I know is what a lot of you Ask me all the time, how do I love my body? I've given my best advice in there. But remember, you don't have to love your body. You can feel neutral about your body. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. It's not on you. It's on society to change. I can recommend that you listen to Secret Dinosaur Cult, which is a queer live comedy podcast and my new project. Well, it's almost been a year already. We do a lot of live shows. It's with me and Jody Mitchell. Just one of the funnest things that I'm a part of and our episodes are just, I'm so proud. I am so, so proud of Secret Dinosaur Cult. You can find tickets to the live shows on secretdinosaurcult.com and you can listen to it there or wherever you get your podcast. I will now let you listen to the astounding and stunning and 
maybe stunning, but we don't we don't know. We simply don't know. But if it if it is if it is stunning, then that's also okay. But I definitely know that they are astounding and stunning. Please enjoy this episode with the incredible Jamie Windest. So would you like, for people who might not know who you are, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Uh Uh-huh. So I'm Jamie Windust. I am the editor-in-chief of Fruitcake Magazine. I'm a freelance writer and speaker and model, which is always hilarious. I always add that on the end, and I'm like, I should definitely put that near the front. (laughs) It's more more fun, and it also throws people off. They're like, I presume I'm going to be stupid. So it's always fun. Oh, because they think models are stupid? Yeah. Oh. So I always throw that in after the clever-sounding ones, and then they're like, oh, interesting. Do you like um, doing that in general, kind of twisting people's expectations? Yeah, it's always funny. Whenever people ask me what I do, I always answer differently. I feel like that's very... Like, nowadays, people... Because people do so many different bits and bobs, it's like, depends on who you're around, you'll say what you do to fit them, but... Also, you don't want to sound like a bit of a, an arsehole to be like, yeah, I do all of these things. What do you do? <laughs> well, that's such a London thing, isn't it? The first thing people always ask is, they're like, yeah, so what do you do? And I'm like... You have to say more than three things, otherwise... Yeah. <laughs> you're basically unemployed. <laughs> Literally. My parents still think I'm unemployed. It's great. <laughs> um, when did you... Be- I mean, this is so difficult, this is sound, but you look amazing. Thank you. And you're... <laughs> I mean, people can just find you on Instagram and see you just have this incredible look to you. That's Thank you. Was magnetic, almost. So uh, how how did you find that look? Yeah. It's quite out there. In like, is that, is that, and that's not meant as a negative thing. Oh, no, no, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I forgot to put makeup on today. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Um, it's something that definitely I've crafted um, over a long... I mean, say a long time, I'm only 21. So, like, I probably, I started wearing makeup for, like, skin reasons initially. So, it never was really kind of creative. I was like, I had really bad skin. I was like, I want to slap something on to cover. And then that was when I was, like, 16. And then from then, it kind of grew into something a lot more fun. And I think it it grew at the exact same time that I kind of was looking into my gender identity. And I was like, okay this is interesting and then I only really put the pieces together um, when I was like 18, 19 and that's kind of when I really kind of stopped giving a shit about makeup um, in terms of what people say is too much or too little Um, I've had this face (laughs) this face for (laughs) about um, pretty nearly two years so I don't this is kind of like my standard go-to nipping to the shops to get milk face but it's so it's I find it so fun. I find it therapeutic to do it. Yeah. It's so much just like craft and energy that I just enjoy. And it's like a bit of me time as well in the morning. I can just like I always put question time on, do my face, shout at the tally, and then leave. Um and I always say to people, I always forget that people have never not not to sound like a huge narcissist, just like a mini one. Um <laughs> people have never seen some people have never seen like this makeup before um because I feel like in my life in my social life or my work life I've, I'm in the LGBT community 
I'm surrounded by a lot of queer people, which is great. So they're not ever bamboozled by a cut crease at 10 a.m. Whereas, you know, when I'm on the Northern Line and I get to bank and there's loads of, you know, mm. white men on, they're like, what the hell is that? And I'm, I always baffles me because obviously I see myself every day. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy I enjoy my face, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Thank you very much. It's just, it's... I don't know, I feel really comfortable amongst people who, I don't know if it's about the not giving a fuck pad or if mm. it's just, I'd feel much more uncomfortable with a white man in a suit. Oh, yeah. You know, mm. like that's just like, oh, you, it's this like conformist kind of, yeah. it, scares, it scares me a bit that there's no, I don't know, individuality. Or... Yeah, like my personality, like I was, I literally, because I got the DLR this week, which I'm not a huge fan of. And I was going through Canary Wharf and I was looking at all these people and I was like, actually, do you know what? These people in suits are literally like doing their own form of drag almost. Because mm. it's like, it's so, it's a performance that they might not realise they're doing. But from from me sat there just like looking at them, I'm like, this is definitely not you. Like, who are you? Me just like psychoanalyzing everyone on the tube, which is exactly what you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I find that that's so true. Like that level of, comfortability around people when you can sense someone's just like really open in themselves it's so much more easy to just chat yeah there's no walls anywhere yeah and I think it's enviable as well because I think a lot of people do that thing with the like men in suit and this idea that we I mean I wore dresses for well, I, 10 yeah. 15 years before I realized I've never liked wearing dresses mm. That's a lot of just, oh, I guess this is what I do, or this is what I should yeah. do. And do you, do you think people are forced to think about that when they see you? Do you think people go, that could be me? Or like, yeah. I, wish, I wish that was me. Or Yeah, I do get that quite a lot. And something that I've not, I'm still deciding on whether or not I take it as a compliment or not. But when people stop me and they say, wow, you're very brave. Yeah, that's a difficult one, isn't it? It's really difficult because I'm like, inherently, you're being nice. Like, if I think about the intent in what what they're saying, I'm like, you're not, um, you're not being horrible. But you're also, um, if I think of it as like a circle of the start and the end of the reactions to me, you're kind of coming in towards the end. You're not stopping it from, you're not stopping the negativity, but you're just like kind of comforting me along the way. Do you know mm. what I mean? So it's like saying you're brave inherently just kind of means that the person who's saying that knows that the world is shit and people are horrible, but they're just not bothering to tackle that, but they're comforting me when I'm on that ride through oh, it. Oh, yeah. So like it's kind of like there's an implicit acceptance of yeah, the shittiness. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's uh, complacency and they're just kind of a bit like that. But then on the flip side, I do get a lot of people that are like... Um, not necessarily in person, I get this a lot more online where people are like, I was in, you know, Topshop or whatever, and they're like, I saw this and thought of you and I had to buy it because it was like ridiculously colourful. And I was like, great, you wear that and you rock and roll. Or, um, you know, people who, I get quite a lot of people who do their makeup in a, in a similar ilk to mine and be like, I thought I'd try this out. And I'm like, yeah, I love it because it's like, why not? I love that. It's really fun. Uh, is it tiring talking about it? Like, because I, I imagine when you have a distinct look, mm. that's well, you know, like I started talking about it immediately. Yeah. 
does it get tiring? Because are you? Because as you say, like this is every day. This is how you look. Is that? Yeah. Are you a bit tired of people wanting to just focus on the outside? Uh, yeah. Sometimes it gets a bit performative, or or I catch myself um, not being performative in how I how I look, but in the ways that I then react to people's conversations about it. I kind of it sometimes does encompass all of the conversations I have with people. And what I find is a lot of the work that I actually do is very um, important. And I talk about like gender identity quite a lot in all that I do um, and queerness. And I feel like because of my image, sometimes that gets lost or that gets forgotten. Or um, what I've realized recently is a lot of people think that I'm here just for their entertainment, mm. which... Um, it's one of those things that I always say to people is like when someone, for example, the other day I had like tourists come up to me and ask to take a picture. And if I reacted negatively, it would make me look like the big bad wolf because, you know, they're just mm. harmless tourists, but they also don't know that I've had that, what, five or six times prior mm. in the day. Or I've had people doing it without consent and they don't know that kind of history of what how that, Mm. has gone through the day um so yeah my physical kind of appearance does i think sometimes mask a lot of what i'm trying to say but it is quite a good also it's quite a good um test to see if people actually care about you mm. because if they can see past that and actually want to get to know you then you know that they're a keeper <laughs> did it um i'm trying to think about how much of a difference there is between gender expression and gender identity yeah yeah 100 percent. do you know what i mean is yeah. that because you said it happened around the same time was it, was it something that helped you or did it come the other way around mm. like what what I, don't, I mean that's such a weird question <laughs> like what did you come to terms with first that's not even a question is it but like what what came first basically yeah it was that do you know what? it was the the expression yeah came first the kind of femininity and that femme expression definitely came for a good two years prior to me actually even realizing that you could identify outside of that binary and kind of be gender non-conforming and sit in that realm um and that was a definite that was what three months after i've left home and moved to london and i was like this is great because i was like all those all, all those times prior where I feel quite fortunate because I never had that massive gender dysphoria where I was trying all of these, you know, things out that were fairly feminine. And I, I never felt a huge, massive gender dysphoria at that time. I just thought I was maybe just very flamboyant, um, which is fine. Um, but yeah, then it kind of, the expression correlated with the identity. And I think that's great because it, it just felt like everything it kind of locked into place and I was like oh this is great rock and roll let's move on <laughs> I think my, my favourite thing to ask people who've had that kind of coming out experience or realisation is uh, what changed uh, so this is based on I I guess I think I've always known it, a way that I was non-binary but I've only just kind of said it out loud very very yeah. very recently mm. with great helps to uh, Travis Alabanza they were amazing yeah and for me, so many tiny, tiny things changed. Mm. Just in the way of, I would open my curtains earlier in the morning. And yep. 
my social anxiety dropped by like 30%. I would suddenly go to a dinner party and not be scared. And it, mm. not, not even because people knew, just within myself I knew. Yeah. So I guess my... I just love asking that question if you re- if if because it's something that's so inside yeah. that doesn't have to you know you don't even have to say it out loud but if you have the realization mm-hmm. did you find there was anything that changed within you Yeah definitely there was just things where I felt more confident in what I was doing because I wasn't I think b- before I might not have consciously realized but I was definitely not as confident or not as um outspoken in things that I was saying which I can now look back on and be like that's because I didn't necessarily know who I was at that point whereas now um yeah like you say it solidifies a lot of your worries that you had before that you actually didn't understand why they were happening and then when you can have hindsight and look back you're like oh okay that was why because I wasn't I haven't put my own pieces together yet um yeah definitely I carry it through all that I do in my work which is a a battle but it's it has made me a lot more confident in my work and what I do and throughout my studies it was made me very confident and I just loved the energy that it gave me and all the everything that I was doing because it made me I think inherently being like coming out as non-binary is defiant and disruptive anyway so it meant that whatever I did I carried that same defiant and disruptive kind of element in everything, uh, which I still do now, which I think is really cool. So where are you at right now in your life? Like right in this very moment in mm. your life, in your state of mind, your emotional state, your, I'm not going to say journey, but, you know, journey. <laughs> where, 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 do, where are we meeting you right now? From yeah. what point of view are you speaking right now? I think I'm <clears throat> fairly, I'm fairly, I'm trying to think of an analogy. Like, if we were on a roller coaster, I'd be, like, just nearly at the top. Mm. Not that I'm going to crash and go down. <laughs> but, like, I, you know, I finished... I graduated from uni in June last year. And then, for one reason or another, I, I left and went straight into freelance. Um, and kind of writing and speaking. And that was a massive, scary jump. Because I hadn't planned to. Um, and you know, rejected job offers and kind of realising that that nine-to-five actually wasn't for me, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it myself. Um, and it's been very... It's been great. It's been like, I've been surprised at the success that I've had and it's been... I think now in that journey, it's... I'm at that point where I'm like, I've got my first full year of doing what I love and doing what I do and I'm just very excited to have a full year yeah. of that and do that and almost test myself because it's really exciting to be your own boss and only have you to push yourself yes um it's scary and it's a test <laughs> but i love it so i'm very excited i've got some cool bits coming out um so yeah is it um how do you feel in general about authority or I guess oh, another, I yeah, I was, because I'm the same. I cannot, I my own boss and that's what I need to be. I cannot, I, I, I struggle to even work with people. Um, <laughs> I sense that. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, trying no, to keep it a secret. <laughs> what uh, do you find, how do you feel about authority? I, I, I'm a massive naysayer to traditional authority. I think that goes back to what you said about, you know, how coming out affects all your other aspects. 
that level of being gender non-conforming is disruptive and it means that you don't fit into categories and I definitely have that in terms of um, traditional other traditional aspects of society like you say like authority or um, traditional family things that you would do or just like even just like really basic things like getting letters from the council I'm like fuck the council <laughs> like burning a letter as it comes through but I'm like which is I'm still quite reckless in that not reckless but I'm still quite um, I guess you could say a bit childish in that respect because I I'm I know when to be to put my adult head on but I'm yeah authority and things like that I struggle with usually uh, you know usually for good reason because it's usually coming from cis straight white men which is what I've encountered or even cis gay men um, which especially in like the media world I find quite difficult um, so yeah I'm not a huge fan of authority it depends on the relationship that I have with the person um, but because I can set my own parameters of authority on myself when someone else comes in and does it for me I'm like fuck off <laughs> yeah but you've also had to well we a lot of people who in one way or the other doesn't fit into the the way you're meant to be yeah um we've had to question everything mm. you know in order for me to uh, like my fat body i've had to question everything i've been taught yeah and everyone who's ever taught me these things mm-hmm. and you have to question adverts and yeah. you start questioning your doctor and your oh yeah everything and so you so now when you've realized how much you've been lied to and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily because they were bad people but they've put, put you know forced a toxic message onto you that isn't yeah. true mm-hmm. so now when you get a message you you have the instinct of going really yeah constant questioning yeah like it's that? like whenever i I always say this to my friends, it's like, once you've unlocked that door and always like floodgates, there's literally no going back, mm. which in some ways is is stressful because it means that, like you say, you're constantly questioning everything. Like, I'm glad you said adverts because on the tube or whatever, I always look at things and I'm like, why, why have you done that? It's so fucking basic. Or why have you, like it's so boring or oh great another white family is on the telly like or just constantly I'm just looking at things like that and it just get really tiring but it's better than being complacent and kind of ignorant to to it which a lot of people funnily a lot of people who give us authority are they're very ignorant to things like that um so yeah yeah it's just it's a catch 22 kind of Sort of, yeah. I've, I always, whenever I've spoken to straight white cis men, for you, I know <laughs> it's very traumatic. <laughs> and I've talked about, you know, people, the ones who haven't really known about it or understood feminism in general. And when you start pointing it out, you know, that advert and that problem and that issue and that thing, yeah, and they go, oh. I just, oh, it's too much. I'm not even gonna. Mm. No, I, I'm not. It's just too much. Mm. And I feel this rage of. Yeah. Yeah, that's because you can. Yeah. You can ignore it, and then you'll nothing will happen. Where we've had to open those, mm-hmm. we have we've had to open that door because we weren't inside of this room. Yeah. We, we're on the other side, so we have to go through and see all these things. Absolutely, in order to be ourselves and to be happy. 
and it's so frustrating that they can just you know stay seated in their armchair and go oh, I don't think I'll really bother with it and they'll still be fine for the rest of their lives that I exactly. find that so frustrating I think that's that's yeah you've hit the nail on the head with that whole level of they have the the choice essentially to just be able to be like oh, it doesn't bother me so I'm, I'm going to switch off um, which it's funny because they're the same people that would come to us and be like, why are you always picking fights with things? Or why are you always... Mm. And it's like, we don't have a choice because otherwise, if you sit there and let it happen, your you know, your mental health is going to massively deteriorate and you're going to just get swamped, basically. Mm. Oh, you're just you're the punching bag. Yeah. Because we're, we're not picking a fight, we're fighting back yeah. against all the punches that come either way. Exactly. Wild. Well, yeah. Absolutely wild. Um, so, how do you perceive? Oh, that sounds like it sounds like you're making it up. What's the right? How do you experience public space? Mm. Is that something I've I've come I've started asking a lot of people this who don't look conforming in any kind of way, mm. and a lot of people have described public space as a threat. <clears throat> this is something I relate to, both because social anxiety, because people in general are scary, <laughs> but also just fatness. You're kind of always expecting like a shout or something. Yeah. How? What is public space to you? I find that, yeah, it's a great question. And I think that's something I definitely want to look at more this year in my work and my and what I speak about, because it's, it's really ironic to me because it, public space is something that we all inhabit and we are all in and everyone is so aware of it but when it comes to gender non-conforming people the treatment of us in public space is so not hidden but it's so um, dismissed or just not cared about despite the fact that everyone can see it um, I yeah I do struggle in public but it's funny I had I had a chat the other day with someone and they just people I just find people really stupid this is another issue of public space is because they were like so do you get like he was like oh so do you get like people looking at you when you're outside and I literally was like what do you think like not to sound <laughs> like a twat but I was like what do you think yeah. and I was just like why can you not engage your brain and just like think about it for a bit and also by asking me that question it's it's but it's just stupid um so i do but it's very you know people sometimes people are like oh why don't you just dress down and i'm like why don't you dress up like do you know it's, it's yeah it doesn't it's not that's not a it's not on you no again and like i said earlier you're stopping the problem at the wrong route you're you're trying to prevent me from getting harassed by stopping me from being me, which is not, you know, it doesn't work. Um, so I do, yeah, I do struggle, but it's one of those things that I'm like, well, I'm not going to not be myself, so I have to um, rock and roll with it, and that is probably very difficult. I saw you, um, and we don't have to talk about that, because I feel like that's a bit uncomfortable, but you, you were assaulted. Oh, yeah. Uh, at a pub. and you were talking about how people around mm. that didn't react or do anything and it reminded me it took me back to being a child and i don't even remember who who it was or why mm. but whenever we saw me and my mother or me and any adult whenever we saw anyone who didn't look the way you're 
you know, yeah. air quotes, men to look, the adult would always say, don't look, don't look. Oh, yeah. Because they would, it's rude to look, it's rude to stare. Mm. And I think, obviously that comes from a good intention, but I'm, I was just wondering if that's not the right thing to say. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, of course you don't, you know, it's not nice to have little kids point and stuff, but yeah. the opposite is teaching people to, oh, just ignore, just ignore. Yeah. And I don't know if that's helpful. I don't know how, how you, what do you think about yeah, it? Yeah, I get, I definitely get both of those reactions from children or families, I think is the the big one. Um is I either get, like, little children who will literally, like, stop in their tracks and just be, like, open-mouthed, which I kind of find adorable. Um, like, it depends what mood I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah. But, like, it, you know, it is harmless. It's then the parent's reaction to their child, which I find more interesting to, to, to look at and analyse, because it's, like, I'll have some people who will engage in conversation, or I have heard some amazing parents before just be, like this person's just being a bit colourful and that's great, let's move on. And I'm like, that's adorable. Yeah. Um, but I definitely do get the, like, the noticeable pull-aways of parents mm. if their children are, like, wandering towards me or if they see me, they the pull-away or, like, the... Um, the big one that I always find really interesting that I mentioned it to my friend the other day and she was like, I think you're being paranoid, but it's the tube. The people... People do not sit next to me on the tube. Mm. They just fully... I mean, they will if they have to, but they like if they actively can't, then they won't. Does that make sense? Yeah, and Scotty said the same thing. Yeah, when, when I had Scotty on this podcast, it's just like, I, and especially with families, I'll get a family. So I had a family once who sat on. It was really, really busy, and I had two like a seat either side, and they got on pushchair the works, and all stood up. And we're, like, literally, like, face in the wall and, like, everything. And I was, like, there were literally two seats. And then one of the children sat next to me um, and was just kind of, like, sat l looking at me. And I really wasn't in the mood. So I just, like, didn't say anything but just, like, stared the child down. Like, very briefly <laughs> yeah. but just, like, looked and was, like... Um, and then she started crying. And then, obviously, I was painted out to be, like, the evil <sighs> clown on the train. <laughs> God. Um... And I had like, you know, people on the people on the tube like looking at me, laughing at like laughing with the parents, and it's just like little things like that that you you wouldn't normally think about. That it's like actually public space in that respect is very difficult because, like, when you're so switched on, you can't help but be like, are you doing this because of the way I look? And if you are, then that's bullshit. Just doing this. When did you start? Would you consider yourself an activist? See, this is funny, because I've had a lot of kind of self-deliberation with that word. And I think... I think traditionally, call, when people traditionally call themselves an activist, it has a level of privilege behind it, because it... it, it um, people think... When you think of an activist, you think of someone who's like on the front line, who's got all these you know, social privileges and feels like they can exist in that intense space. Whereas I think now that definition is definitely self-definitive. Um, you can you can define it yourself, especially in the age of social media. Um, I would I, I would self-identify. Self My gender is active. <laughs> These are my pronouns. Um, 
I would, yeah, I would say I am just because inherently all that I do, even by existing, is in some way furthering a conversation or a, a you know, gender non-conforming people. Um, but I think what people need to do is really look back at that term of activist and think and see how it's changed, I think. Because mm. I think people are very, like I say, very traditional with their definition of it. But mm. actually nowadays you can do a lot of things and be an activist. Mm. I think I'm asking because most people are quiet, right? Like most people don't really speak up. They just kind of live and get on with it and, you know, have their everyday, like just like the normal people who are not, yeah. you know, shouting on social media. Yeah. Do you think that, and I think a lot of people would be scared of doing it, both because of the backlash and also mm. because, you know, they've just accepted that you shouldn't speak up or maybe they just don't want to, maybe they have nothing to say, but we're outside the norm yeah. when we are people who spew our opinions everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that has to do with being non-conforming? Do you think that that is like a... It was because when you were talking about being on the tube... I kind of, on your behalf, wanted to scream. Like, I wanted you mm. to scream. Mm. Or, like, I wanted you to... I wanted everyone in the carriage to already know everything about yeah. the the politics behind what they were doing. And then I thought, oh, but that is sort of what you're doing in your work. You are kind of trying to tell people to stop being dicks. Do you think that has yeah. to do with each other, if that makes sense? Yeah. Do you know what I think? Yeah, because it's like what I when I talk about things... My main point of port of call is, I say my main port of call, I think this year I want to change it because it's quite emotionally laborious, but like education, I want to make sure people are educated. And like you say, it's about making sure that we are in spaces where people know things. Like, I think it was quite funny because I went to see uh, Travis Alabanza's Burgers and like that on the way home, um, I was getting just kind of like laughed at. And someone, like someone, I was going down an escalator and someone behind me was like, oh, are you okay? And I was just like, that's so, not funny, but like, it's just so like telling of like how important it actually is to tell people, like Travis did, tell people how they make us feel. Because everyone's so self-involved, absolutely, which is fine. I will put myself in that pool. <laughs> that we don't realise a lot of the time, unless you're like, like we said, unless you've opened those floodgates, that there are people who are struggling in circumstances where you wouldn't think they are. For example, the tube. You know, people probably didn't think that I was a bit stressed out that no one was sat with me. Um, but it's then like, if you make them aware of these things and they're actually able to listen and take it on board, then you can be like, you can further things. Things can be more progressive. Um, but yeah, it's a. It, I definitely think there is a correlation there. Tell me about your work then, your talks mm. and your writing, and what is. Yeah, so tell me about your work. So I mainly write, which I'm trying to. It's a difficult one because I'm trying to switch it up. I want to do more stuff, which is, that is not queer focused. Yeah. In terms of, I want to write about queer shit. But I want to do it for audiences that don't know anything, mm. which I had a taste of um, in December. I'm not going to name and shame, but it was quite. It was it was very bizarre. 
It was like, very, it was very bizarre because I didn't <clears throat> get that same level of uh, warmth necessarily or like community feel from doing a talk with a bunch of queer people because you, you, it just wasn't that same energy. But then I was like, actually, you can't constantly preach to the choir because hmm. otherwise you're you're not necessarily going to push um, that level of conversation further f- from its realm the, or the bubble. Um, so yeah, so I write about sex and relationships. That's where I started writing about, and now I kind of do a lot more think pieces and opinion pieces on public space or just like non-binary existence and that many factions for me that make it difficult. Um, but I want to move that forward this year. I want to do more kind of that's fashion, beauty, kind of that level of um, mainstream, not uh, not mainstream topics, but like topics that everyone can get involved in but then I can sprinkle my kind of queer dust on top and then add a new perspective so that people are like oh okay that's interesting um speaking I'm doing a, I'm doing a little speaking tour in February at universities um and I love it's one of those things that I never thought I'd do never thought I'd be a speaker because it was something that I was always really shit at <laughs> <laughs> but I actually find it now so liberating and just fun and engaging like the questions that people get involved with and that kind of level of actual conversation you know I always find not to do Lady Gaga but if there's one person in that room who can like actively come after you afterwards and be like shit that was that was really good I, I'm happy and you must also learn so much about what people want to know or what they don't know from their questions yeah Funny, I get it's funny because I'll do like a really not heavy, but I could do like a fairly intense like talk, and then the questions they'll be like, "So how long does it take for you to do your makeup?" <laughs> and I'm like, do "You know what? Fine, I'll allow yeah. it." Like it's it's a funny question um, for anyone who's wondering. It's 45 minutes, <laughs> but um, it's it's yeah no it's it is fun because you, you get a different group of people every time. Yeah, and especially with universities, like there's that that not to patronise because I'm still only 21 but like that young energy is very embracing and very fulfilling um so yeah I love it I want to do more I just want to that's the best thing I think about being your own boss is you can plan as much as you can plan but you'll still definitely enter each month and you'll do something in that month that you had no idea you were going to do and that's amazing because it's like the best part of being flexible with your work um, I love it. What's the goal? What do you wanna? What do you wanna take this to? What's the dream? Mm. It's, a, it's a good question. Where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> <laughs> um, I my my dream and kind of goal for this year is to kind of infiltrate more media spaces. So be a bit more forward facing and front facing in situations where I feel like, you know, just this week we had politics live on the BBC and loose women both discussing trans people and not including any trans people in those discussions um and it's like I would want to get involved in those because I'm not I'm not shy to not controversy but I'm not shy to kind of having an opinion and saying it like we said we're, we're, we're both that ilk of just being able to have a thought and say it yeah um 
which I think needs to happen. Um, whether or not the media agree with me is another thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely want to kind of infiltrate that level of space where there are, you know, you don't see non-binary people on the telly, and if you do, they're getting showered up. So it's like, there's that. Um, Fashion-wise, I want to try and walk in a fashion show this year, which has always been a dream, just because, no, I was, I'm gay, so. <laughs> so it's, I, that's something that I really want to try and do, um, just because it's fun, isn't it? Like, it's just, you know, for the right people, and the fashion industry, again, are speaking with, um, actually with Travis this week, about how the fashion industry is one of those spaces that still is almost like pseudo work it's like it like looks like it's doing the right things Mm. and in some circumstances it is but it's also not because it takes you know especially from like gender non-conforming people of color it takes their aesthetic and puts it on a white mask man and then walks them down the runway and I'm like, and then gets paraded as being revolutionary, and it's just really jarring. Um, so yeah, fashion, media. Hopefully, I don't drive myself into a bit of a hole, just because it's 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 very emotionally not draining, but it's just very emotionally intense to be able to, yeah. to have to constantly. Um, I don't say have to. It's my, it is my choice at the end of the day, but to constantly have chosen to do work that's focused around your, your identity but then have to, once you've closed the laptop, go outside and actually still experience it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, content. So, <laughs> content. Yeah, but also, you it's hard, isn't it? Because you don't... Well, I find when you book things in advance, mm. I don't know how I'm going to feel on mm-hmm. April 19th you know, will I wake up and just have one of those days where, fuck it, I'm just going to stay in bed all day. But, oh, no, I booked yeah. that 500-seater in Chester or whatever. You yeah, know what I mean? exactly. And that's how, well, you know, that, I mean, I I guess everyone has that when, even if it's like a, when it's like a nine-to-five job, you know, of course people have that. Yeah. But when you are, when your product is you mm. and partly your trauma and your mm-hmm. battles and your, str- like, it's a lot to go out and go, like when you, I had a show in Newcastle on my last tour, and I was crying all up till the moment I went on stage. I was, mm. I couldn't do anything. I had my friend was there by accident, yeah, and she did everything. She put out the table and the water, and because I was just a mess. And so, yeah. and it's one of those things when you think, oh my god, I'm. This is one of those days where, yeah, if she hadn't been there, I don't know what would have, yeah, if I would have been able to do the show. Exactly, and it's such a, it's so difficult to actually switch off yeah because it's such a catch 22 because you know you need to because like you say otherwise you're going to burn out and you're going to literally just like explode but if you switch off there's no one else who can work for you because you're you Um, I found that over Christmas I found it really hard to do nothing Mm. not to sound like a twat but like you know, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, I'm always doing something, because I'm not. But I like to be busy because it makes me feel motivated and it makes me feel like I'm doing things, which is, you know, human. Um, so Christmas was really hard because I was like, A, I wasn't in London. B, I was just like, 
for two weeks just sat there like oh my god what do I do and it was just really difficult so like I'm so happy now that we're back in the swing um it's funny that you say things like people people always ask or like expect me to have days where I just like stay in and don't do anything and I think like I I I just don't know why, but it's one of my biggest things that I just can't do. I can't... I, even if I want to, I can't stay in all day and do nothing because it's just... Even on a Sunday, I just... Ugh, it just makes me feel like I'm being really unproductive and I probably need to hire a therapist and unpack that. <laughs> um. I mean, yeah, but wait a bit because it's a really nice habit to have. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than the other way around. Yeah. And it's like... But then again, like you say, it's, sometimes it's like, then when I burn out and I crash, and it's like, maybe I, I should have just crashed in, and stayed in bed and just, like, done nothing. And that, I think it's about realising that that's fine. Yeah. You know, you're, you don't have to constantly do be working on work. You, if you work on yourself, you essentially are working on your work because you're giving oh, yeah. yourself that headspace to be able to create more yeah. creative stuff. And so and you can kind of in a way plan your burnouts so you don't burn out right before that big important thing where you actually can't afford Mm -hmm. to stay in bed Mm. you know you can spend that energy in bed on a Sunday when it doesn't really matter yeah exactly what's your um, do you have a self not self care but do you have a what's your self protection Mm. do you have any anything you go to um I mean that is a I think music for me is really self-protective because I, like, I'm very... I think that's the way, especially in public space, that I, I cope is I've, I I will make sure I have music with me so that I can just drown people out. Um, and, again, like, at home, if I'm just, like, needing to relax or I'm, like, stressed, I'll just put, like, the volume on 100 and just, like, go wild because it's fun and, like... You know, I used to dance as a kid, so I just like run around my room a bit and just like go be a bit silly. And it's like, I think, especially for like marginalized groups, I think we forget that we can just be fun and carefree in certain spaces. We forget that we actually have the ability to just like be stupid and silly and have fun. Um, so when we do, we feel like we're being naughty almost. We feel like we we shouldn't be doing that, but actually, that's the best place to do it. Yeah, like, um, oh, there's so much oppression. How can we dance when there's so much oppression? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Because um, I'm not, a, contrary to many queer people, which is absolutely fine, I'm not a clubber, I'm not a drinker. I mean, mm. a drink, but I'm not a, like, it's not my scene. I don't like the level of, like, uncontrol that mm. happens in those, in those spaces. Um, so whenever people people always are like I'll come out to this amazing night and I'm like yeah it sounds great but it's just not for me and I think that's means that I have to find another way to self care because a lot of people do that for self care whereas I I personally find that a bit like bizarre because it's I mean I feel like I've got a very addictive kind of personality so I feel like if I did that I would just go and go and go and go wild um but yeah, maybe I should try it. Been, <laughs> I'm doing this new series for this magazine where I, they want me to try new things once a month. Oh. And one of them is go to a club night. So we'll see how that goes. One of them is go to a football match. Which... <laughs> that sounds 
potentially scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really scary. We like spoke about it and we were like, no, just like, please go with someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, of course. But I was like, funny, I used to go to football for like, from the age of like five to 14 every week. Obviously not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, great. Maybe I'll love it. Maybe I'll imagine. Maybe this is my new self-care. This is your new thing. Arsenal. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, oh, what was my question? Oh, okay. So I'll ask you this, which I always ask. Um, which question would you most want for me to ask you? Whoa. That's a great question. Um, like maybe there's something that you're never asked and you're always in the back of your head going, why the why wouldn't you ask me that or maybe you have yeah. a thing at the moment that you're just really passionate to speak about or whoa um I think I think maybe I'm just trying to form it into a question um about like personality like why like a lot of people forget that we're funny <laughs> we're do you know what I mean? Like, like oppressed people are funny. So, like, how do I form that into a question? Um, would you consider yourself funny? That would be my question. Because it's... I get a lot of... This is no shade, Sophie. I get a lot of the same questions. I quite yeah. a lot, which is absolutely fine. Cause it's, it's my work and it's... I always give a different spin of the answer depending on how many coffees I've had but it's like sometimes I just want people to be like how are you like what are you up to like how like to take it really personal but not personal as in like invasive but just like friendly because I'm like you with interviews a lot of the time you there's that level of hierarchy which I find really jarring um so I like things like this because it's conversational and it's it doesn't feel like you want to tell a story to the sun on me, which I would fully allow. You go for it. So. Yes, I dream. This long plan finally worked. <laughs> because that's why that's why I was really excited to ask you that because mm. we have talked a lot about people's questions and of course we get it. We get why they ask it, but yeah, yeah. do you consider yourself funny? It's what I fully do. And I feel I like I a lot do. of people... I think you are. Thank you so much. Um, I've been told that I have quite good comic timing. Apparently I'm very British in my humour, which I don't understand. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, but, yeah, and I think that's really important to remember because it's, like, under... It's funny, like, people are like, why do, you, why do you always say things like that? And then you're like, under all of this, it's like, if you want people to find out the real you, then don't put up so many layers. And I'm like, these aren't layers, these are just... I mean, they're physical layers of foundation, but it's like they're they're not. People interpret it as a, as a wall for them to not have to get to know me, and for them to be able to see this, and then use their prejudgments as fact. And it's like, actually, if you got to know me, you'll know that I am, you know, funny. I'm fucking messy. I'm like just a, a, a normal person, and I think it's so funny. To have to to have to be like to get asked a really intense question and me just be like to yeah I want people to know that I'm just normal, normal <laughs> not person. normal but like you yeah. know just like a, a human being who's who you know 
Dunks biscuits in their tea and falls asleep watching the telly like like everyone else does. Yeah, because it's a weird one, isn't it? Because you don't, you don't even just have to fight your own whatever, whatever you, whatever you have to fight to speak to people. Yeah. Um, like for me, like social anxiety or not wanting to get out of bed or whatever. But then you also have to penetrate this wall that other people put up because they're whatever scared or curious or prejudiced or yeah like it's just a lot it must be just like a lot of work yeah i feel like a a lot is just like a lot lot of like what should be just an everyday normal thing it's just suddenly work yeah it's a lot of effort it's it's a lot of effort even one thing that i always give an example of is like getting my hair cut Mm -hmm. is because i've got like a shaved head mm. I can't I mean I can but I'm not going to go and pay 50 quid in London to, to go to like a uh, salon so I just go to like a barber's and they're usually very male or like they're just for men which is fine um, well it's not fine that's gross um, and I got, it's things like that that I'm always say to people like, I'm just going to get my hair cut and they're like okay but it's actually for me it's like one of my biggest things that I hate because it's so just jarring in those environments like just toxic masculine environments is so jarring and it's like things like that that you most people just don't think of um is so stressful or or just like going anywhere new i mean i'm sure that's that's fairly common for quite a lot of people but then again like you say when i've got like layers to penetrate through um that's why i never get the bus Mm. I find that really interesting to myself. Yeah. <laughs> when I think about that with myself. I'm like, why don't I get the bus? I'm like, it's something about the bus that I find really stressful. Oh, just, fun. Just because it's like, I mean, similarly to the tube, I can get the tube. But it's that level of you never know who's going to be there on it. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, I just don't know. I find it really bizarre. Well, so I have the same book with the tube. I always get the bus. Yeah. I, there's something I don't. I'm not even really sure why. Hmm. I find it with the tube. I don't I mean, trust it. I feel I. I very much agree with you on that, and I think that level of. Um, but I spoke to <laughs> this podcast isn't sponsored by Travis, but <laughs> I spoke to Travis, and you know, things like that are really important. Like transport are really difficult, and it's one of those things that we said, like you know, people take it for granted. Um, so now, if I'm ever going anywhere, I try and make sure that I get... Or, like, I'm, I've learned to know my worth, to know that I'm allowed to ask to get private transport. Mm. Um, and if I can, if possible, get private transport. Um, and I think it's great. You know, you've got club nights like uh, Pussy Palace that do that level of, like, crowdfunding to be able to allow people, femme, gender non-conforming people, to, to get private transport. So, again, it's just like things like that, like little awarenesses that people don't have, that if they had, it would make our lives so much easier. Um, but it's a, it's a difficult one, because it's like, where do I draw the line about education? I can't spend my whole life just telling people how to treat me. Mm. So when you put it in layman's terms, that's actually quite pathetic. <laughs> it's just a lot of what It's just... Yeah. It must be tiring. Do you have... What's your... What's your? Because uh, I've someone. I when when I get asked, what do you do when you don't do comedy? Or what do you do outside of? What's your hobby? Yeah. I'm always like, what do you? 
What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, I never not work. Mm. Do you have what's your do you have a hobby? Just something that has nothing to do with any of the politics or the education or the oppression or all of those things. <laughs> do you have just like a thing that you just like doing? I guess it would be makeup. Yeah? Yeah, because originally I used to just of a you know, of a Sunday I would just go go wild and just like spend hours just drawing on my face for a bit um i see it's such a such a good question because it's one of those things that's like you you know i don't and i know i don't and it's really annoying because it's like i definitely should i used to knit that was fun knit oh like, knits oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um it's so calming isn't it yeah i it's mean like a stress thing soothe out i mean i do I know I write for a living, but I do sometimes write and don't. Or, like, sometimes I actually write and delete. Mm. So I, like, or write and burn. Mm. I went to, um... When was that? Oh, it was in, like, last... So, like, nearly a year ago, my university, which was great, had free therapy. So it was amazing. And, I mean, it sounds pretty obvious, but she was, like, write things down... And then literally be cliche and put them in, like, a bottle and put it in the river. Or, like, burn it. So some, although I know it's not a hobby and that's still very therapeutic and self-carry. But, like, I do do that quite a lot because it's, it's very just final, isn't it? It's very definite in something to get rid of something. Um, I also love going for... I do actually love going for walks. My mum will be very surprised at that because whenever she asks me to go, I'm like... Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> but like on my own, with a podcast or just with nothing, and then I'll just like sit down for ages mm. and just like do nothing. Um, I think it's well because I, I I like leaving the house, so I do this on like an on like a an e an evening. I take all my makeup off and just like get into something really comfy and just like go for a stroll. And it's just like nice because a it's nice because. I always find it interesting to see people's reaction to me then, which is, you know, classic me being analytical all the time. But it's also nice to just, like, actually not have to worry about that sometimes and just, like, relax and then sit down and read a trashy self-help book and just, like, do nothing. That's kind of my way of doing nothing is just, like, walking around London. What's the difference in the reactions? Do you feel... Do they... Does it feel different? Like, does it feel like you're not on display, or does it feel like you're not? You're, what's the right way? The difference between yeah. you being you and you just being, you know, the your casual Sunday self. <laughs> what's the difference in reaction? It's very different. It's very different. Like on on Wednesday, I had to go to a casting, and um, they were like, "Oh, can you turn up with no makeup on?" I was like, "Absolutely fine." See, I have this is the thing that people presume is that I have no problem with not wearing makeup. It's just not, um, it's just not spoken about enough that that actually is my gender expression. Like that actually is a huge part of it. Whereas people are so surface level with it that they see it as an insecurity. They feel like I'm covering mm. something. Whereas actually, I'm I'm enhancing something. Yeah, yeah, You're showing it. something. Yeah, fully. Um, the reaction is very different. I mean, obviously, people still clock me for my nails because they're ridiculously just long and bright. But um, 
it's very different. You know, like people would sit, people will sit next to you on the tube, and people will not do take a second look, really. Which I actually don't enjoy because I'm like, there's that level of me that's like, oh, I feel like I'm conforming, mm. and it's that if I do that long enough, it will definitely lead to a lot more gender. Oh, hello. That's gross. Gender dysphoria. Sorry, just for you listening, I'm a bit ill. Um, yeah, it definitely is a lot more gender dysphoria and a lot more kind of like internal discussions on like how I how I'm perceived because it's like I'm being perceived in a way that's not correct. Yeah, which is gross. That makes sense. Okay, so the last question that I always ask yeah. is this. So. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you are in the delivery room, and you have just been born. Okay, so you are holding teeny tiny you, <laughs> and you are crying because there's lights and sounds everywhere, and it's mm. very very scary. And little Jamie is like, "What the fuck is this? This was not <laughs> what it was like in the womb. This is terrifying. This is this is this life? Is this going to be life?" Uh-huh. And they're so scared and they're crying. And you know what the next 21 years are going to be like. You know there will be lights and sounds, but it won't necessarily be lights and sounds. It'll be mm. people staring in the street and kids being annoying on the tube. And there's, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening for teeny tiny Jamie. So you can say something to them that might calm them down if that's what you want. You can say something about what's going to happen or how it's going to be or what it's going to be like. You can't change anything. So giving advice or telling them to change something doesn't work. Yeah. But you can say something about what they can expect. What would you say to teeny tiny baby you? I think I would say to make sure that you never stop just evolving, I think. Make sure you never stop evolving and trust your trust your own judgment the most out of anyone because it will get you to where you want to be and it will get you to a place where you are a lot more comfortable than you were. Um, and also I'd say don't wear heels that are less than four inches because <laughs> that is paramount important. <laughs> Do you still need to be told some of that? Wow, Sophie, that was a big one. Wow. <laughs> I mean, less about the shoes, but yes, the rest. Yeah. Do you know? What? Yeah, I, f- I think I do need to remind myself that because the 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 world we live in is very competitive, and it's very easy to get into that self-comparison zone. Um, And I definitely do find myself not trusting my own judgment or not trusting my um, path. You know, it's very easy to look at everyone else and be like, what are they doing? Who who are they working with? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, actually, if I continue to trust my own judgment, I'll know that I'm the only person that can do what I'm doing. Everybody else, actually, when you look at it logically around you, is doing very different things um, in their own worlds. And... Yes, I need to continue to trust my own judgment. God, hitting me, hitting me in the heart, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Where can people find you and your work? So on Instagram, I'm at Leopard Print Elephant. Don't ask me why. Um, Twitter is at FabJamieFab and the Fruitcake magazine, which is the an LGBT queer focused contribution based magazine, um, which is just about to begin production on issue three, which is scary, um, is at Fruitcake magazine. Um, freakitmagazine.co.uk so enjoy treat yourself amazing thank you so much thank you so much <laughs> thank you so much for listening to me chatting to Jamie Winders remember to do what you always do where you find them on social media and you tell them thank you for being on the podcast that always makes me so happy and my guests so happy you can find Made of Human Podcast on Twitter at Podmo, P-O-D-M-O-H, on Facebook as Made of Human Podcast, and on the website madeofhumanpodcast.com, where you can also get t-shirts and other merch. Huge, huge thank you to the people who choose to donate to the podcast. It means the absolute world. If you can't afford to donate, please just tell people about it. You know, If you have any kind of platform particularly, that would be so, so helpful just to spread the word a bit more. We will be in, I forgot to say this at the beginning, I'm a bad, bad person. I will be at the Birmingham Podcast Festival in March, on March 24th. Very excited for that. But if you do donate financially, thank you. With all of my heart, thank you so, so much. You can be a Patreon on patreon.com forward slash Mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D. And you can give a certain amount of however much you can afford, really, on um, uh, if you per episode what am I what am I saying where's my brain this isn't because I don't care I hope it doesn't sound like I don't care this is the 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 brain of someone who is in the middle of trying to find a new therapist and like in the process of doing that you have to learn a lot about trauma my new therapist my potentially new therapist has given me homework like I'm holding a can you hear that that's a book I have I have homework for therapy it's it's the best thing in the world and it's like, she's like, uh, oh, you need to learn about neuroscience. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. I do need to learn about neuroscience. <laughs> That's a bit, like my other therapist was just very talky, you know, talk about your life. This one is like, no, 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 no. You need to know exactly what's happening in the brain. And I'm like, yes. But that means that my brain uh, very much needs a bit of a cuddle and uh, not to record four intros and outros for a podcast in a row because I can feel like I'm slightly losing it. But yeah. <laughs> I do mean it, though, if I really try and focus and get out of my uh, trauma state of mind. Uh, I do really... I know I appreciate it because I couldn't... I don't know how I would live my life if it wasn't for your donations. It is so, so, so crucial to me, to my life, but also to the podcast, of course. Most and for, First and foremost, to the podcast. So thank you so much. You can become a patron on patreon.com forward slash mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D. And if you give more than $5 per episode, you are a friend of the podcast, meaning that I will thank you at the end, which is what I will do now. So a huge, huge thank you to the people who, at the moment of recording this, meaning if, if you just signed up, and you, your name is not on the list. It will be in the next round of me recording intros and outros. So, thank you to these incredible people. Andrea Papillon, Andy Walker, Anya Knoblauch, Autumn Blue Sky, Barry Nolson, Caitlin Catposé, Claire McCowan, Connor O'Donovan, Danny Beckett, Daniel Rifershee, Daphne Fanger, Eleanor, Emma Appleton, Emma Chan, Fenella Don, 
Privacyosaurus Auroraptorops. <laughs> yeah. Fiona Richardson, George Pearson, Hannah Keel, Harry Van Dyke, Harry and Lily French, Harry Minnet, Minnet, Minnet. Helena Thomas, Ida Søger Larsen, Inger Ellingsen, James Brand, Jane Mahoney, Joe C., Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Engelsen, KT, Kim Williams, Kirsten Davison, Queen T, Maury Fraser, Mansomir, Marbles Lost, Marak Fraser, Olivia Robson, Paul Swaddle, Perpetual Motion, Pierre Fene, Rachel Hemsley, Rachel Furley, Rachel Phillips, Ragdoll, Robert Knowles, Robin Kappa, Russell Hughes, Sarah Ferreira, Eikerseth, Sarah Alette, Sheena Machette Cole, Cecil Fjeldsund, and Susie Tyler. Oh, we made it. We made it. I think by the time you listen to this, you will also have made it through February? February. February? February? Jesus, I forgot how to say months now. I mean, what is happening? <laughs> okay, we're all good. You made it through the second month of the year. You'll make it through the third. We'll all be fine. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Dave Pickering for producing this episode. Good luck on editing this, Dave. Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle and to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo. Uh, thank you to Jamie for being for chatting to me. <laughs> thank you to all of you for listening and I will speak to you next week. Bye. Oh.